Well, g'day there, podcast listeners. This is episode 11 of the leadership series of the Kingdom Business Podcast. We're really excited. Uh, I am here with Sue Baines and Craig from the office, and I'll introduce Sue in a minute, but it's going to be an exciting chat about literally how do we practically change culture. Now, before we get into today's episode, I just want to put something on your radar. Uh, We have just finalized all the contracts for the Kingdom Business Summit 2020. So in March 2020, like we always do, we're going to be coming around the country, putting on some conferences so we can invest in you and your business for two whole days. So just to put these on your radar, we're going to be holding one in Brisbane uh, on the 28th, 29th of February, uh, in Sydney on the 6th and 7th of March, uh, Melbourne 20, 21st of March, Adelaide 27th, 28th of March, and then Perth. Yes, we're coming back to Perth after a year off on the 3rd and 4th of April. So I want to put those on your radar just to let you know that when we go public with the with the ticket sales, you should jump in there because we've got a great offer. All right, let's get straight into today's show. We're talking here with Sue Baines. Now, Sue's got a very interesting story, and, uh, and and she can go into that in just a moment. But, you know, if you wanted to understand her rap sheet, she is a pastor. Uh, she is part of the Mayor's Pastoral Roundtable. Uh, she's the state leader for the Australian Coalition of Apostolic Leaders, and she's got G-babies. <laughs> and so that's going to be something that she's super proud to talk about, I'm sure. Uh, Sue um, is uniquely positioned in the city of the Gold Coast uh, and planted beautifully between the political world of council and, you know, the, the, the faith world of church. And she plays a very critical role in, uh, in changing the way this city is led. And, uh, and I won't steal her thunder, but she's got an amazing story about how she was placed to do that, effectively create change, and there is change happening for the good in the city of the Gold Coast. So we're going to be talking about this from, you know, from linking arms between the business world, the faith world, and the political world. So we're really going to be talking here about changing culture. Anyway, Sue, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Wes. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Why don't you give us your version? Give us a little bit about you. Give us the rap sheet here of Sue Baines. Okay. Well, coming south of the border was a bit of a shock this morning, but we managed. Um, Lived on the Gold Coast for the last 23 years, but previously from Adelaide, and came to the Gold Coast specifically to do Bible school. So my husband and I both did two years at Bible school um, with the heart of just serving, you know, serving the church, serving God, and um, then ended up in this situation of pastoring a church which was never really quite on the radar but you know God has his ways and so we pastored a church for um, 12 years on the Gold Coast and then during that time we um, felt that the Lord was saying to have a particular emphasis in the way that we led the church and and the the simple statement that I felt the Lord gave to me right at the very beginning he said I want you to use the church to build people rather than use people to build the church And I felt that that kind of set the parameters for how we were going to lead that ministry in terms of um, equipping the people and focusing on them and helping them to become all that God had uh, designed them to be for the sake of his kingdom. So that was a pretty interesting run and that ended around four years ago when my first grandchild was born. Um, That was Archie and he's... um, 
now four years old, or four and a half years old, and we have another three little ones that have followed on. So apart from all those other things that you said that I'm involved in, I'm really very much a professional grandma. Love it. Now, so you just run the risk of breaking the internet today because something you just said is so easy to skip over and insanely profound. You just said you wanted to use the church to build people, not use people to build the church. So news alert, <laughs> um, that is effectively kingdom thinking. Absolutely. At its max. Yes. You know, and, and, and we need more of that is probably a fair call. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, to get that directive from the very beginning is, is amazing. And that's just a picture of how good our God is, Amen. that he would get that to you, you know, right back then. And I know people that were part of your church for a long time and they were developed and fed mm. and, and, you know, my spiritual father, Len, who you know very well, you know, you guys are cut from the same cloth. It's all about what's on their life and how do I get them engaged with it yeah. um, and not trying to turn the 96% of Christians into the 4% of Christians who are called to the vocational church. Right. So well done. I mean, I mean, um, I just think it's a beautiful thing that, that we would do it God's way. Um, all right, so we, we have a kingdom business audience listening. So I wouldn't mind something we ask everybody is what is kingdom business to you? What would be your wording around kingdom business? Yeah, great question, Wes. I think for me, um, when we talk about business, and particularly if I can discuss it in light of the church, unfortunately, the church has often seen business people as a cash cow and just, well, and an ATM. And that's really not why God has positioned people in business. So if we talk about kingdom business, then the priority is in advancing the kingdom of God. And the only way you can do that is by um, bringing kingdom principles into the way you do business. And that's um, totally countercultural and exceptionally um, upstream and difficult. But that is why these kinds of meetings that you, you guys are holding and the chapters around the nation and the, the other things that you're doing is really exceptionally important to give that support and the, the guidance and the resource to the guys that are out there doing it on the, um, the shop front. Awesome. Now, you played a key role in bringing together... Um, uh, our mayor, mm -hmm. the local council, um, you know, the, the, the faith community, um, you know, this is quite, quite a long journey for you. Yes. Um, but as we sit here today, we have a Christian mayor yes. who leads the Gold Coast and, uh, and one that cops a lot of flack, um, which you would do anyway, regardless of faith, if you were just a mayor. Um, but one, one that is a professing Christian is, is also a bit of a challenge. And um, I just, I kind of want to leave it open and I want you to talk into how did that come about, um, why is it important um, and uh, yeah, and some of the war stories, I guess, mm. of what actually took place because what that is, is that's changing culture. Right. And, and, and we don't want to lose that territory. So I want to have a conversation after that of like where to from here. So, but just kind of lead us through that story. Like what position did you play and, um, and, and some war stories about how we ended up with a phenomenal man as leader? Yeah, so the story would begin probably in 2007. Um, I went along to a conference and Peter Wagner was speaking 
and he, he spoke a message called How to Bring Sustained Societal Transformation. And that really got my attention because I, I don't think I'd ever been in a conference or a meeting where that was the title of a message. And so effectively he unpacked the Seven Mountain Mandate and that just blew me away. I went, yep, um, as a sociology major previously I, I understood that paradigm and just got excited about what that could look like in so the city. For, for our listeners, some yes. may not know what that Seven Mountain okay. Mandate is. Could you explain that a little sure. bit? Sure. So it has different names or different concepts, and some people might say there are nine or 12 um, spheres of influence or molded, 11. basically 11, are there? <laughs> <laughs> According totally to Wes. 11. Yeah. Right, I'll go with you. You're the boss today. <laughs> so, yeah, just uh, the concept of having specific moulders of culture that are that are existing in all cultures, no matter where you would find that, whatever nation. Um, and these moulders of culture, according to the seven, if we can run with that, are family, government, business, arts and entertainment, media, church and education. So when you look at that spread, it pretty much covers, when you break those down, it covers all aspects of society. And the, the principle point of that is that we need to have people of kingdom influence positioned well in all of those areas so that we start to think kingdom ways and bring kingdom um, mentality, um, values, principles, lifestyle into those areas so that good decisions are made based on biblical principles and not based on humanism or, or other you know, ungodly ways. So that was what was unpacked mm. that day. We're talking here about going into all the world, right? Absolutely. So we're talking about going into education, going into yes. business, going into yes. government and making disciples. Yeah, so it's the Great Commission. Mm. Um, it's the Great Commission outworked in, in practical and real ways mm. and um, going into those areas, as you say, to make disciples not only of people but to make disciples of systems and structures and that's effectively awesome. the nation. Mm. And so that's just – it's a template. Um, it's not – you know, something that you can find scripture and verse necessarily, mm -hmm. but it's just a, a great template. And so I, I had that template. I deliberately pursued what that would look like and became particularly drawn towards the um, government area. And so it was 2011 and across my desk one morning I found a flyer that had come in the mail and it was from Tom Tate and he was campaigning for mayor and that was the second run that he'd had. He'd run the previous time and missed out and was having another tilt at the mayor, um, mayoral role and that was coming up in 2012 March. So this was December 2011 and the invitation was basically to come and meet with him and um, talk through, you know, some things that might be on my heart as a pastor in the city and I thought that this is just a wonderful op opportunity. So I made an appointment and our church who were on the same track Kingdom-wise, um, were praying for me. And then on the way to the appointment, it was January 2012, on my way to the appointment that morning, I was just praying, you know, quite earnestly in my car and, and said to the Lord, you know, I can have tea and biscuits with anyone, but this guy could be the next mayor of the city. Is there something you want me to say to him? And immediately I felt God give me the scripture, which was Proverbs chapter 29, verse 2. And the scripture says, when the righteous rule, the city rejoices. But when the wicked are in power, the people groan. And immediately that scripture just was like fire on my lips. It was, okay, this is what 
God has for me to say to this man who I knew very little about other than he was um, in business in the city, you know, had properties, drove a red Ferrari, Mm -hmm. um, you know, reputation was a little Mm -hmm. uncertain. Um, But, you know, you go into these situations knowing that if God's positioned you there, then he has a great purpose for it and it's a matter of just being obedient and stepping that out. So I had the meeting in his office. We um, we chatted for about 10 minutes and then he just looked at me and he said, so Sue, as a pastor in the city, is there something you want to say to me? And I'm like, thank you, Lord, this, this is my opportunity. So I said, well, actually, Tom, there is. And I knew nothing about where he stood with faith, if he had any faith whatsoever. And so I was very basic and I said to him, well, it actually comes from the Bible. I want, what I want to t- tell you is something from the Bible and it's from the Old Testament part of the Bible and it's the book of Proverbs and it's chapter 29 and it's verse <laughs> 2 and it goes like this, when the righteous rule, the city rejoices, but when the wicked are in power, the people groan. And, and then I just locked eyes with him and he locked eyes with me and that stare just went on and on and on and I really thought, well, I know the door is just that way <laughs> and <laughs> I'll just go back through that door and I've, I've done what I've been sent to do and, and, you know, I can go and have a great day. But then he, he broke the silence and he said, actually, Sue, I agree with you. And I said, do you? Do you want to talk about it? And he said, yes, I do. And so, Wes, for two hours we had a meeting, the first hour, with regular tears in his eyes and streaming down his face. He shared his testimony of um, becoming a Christian from a Buddhist background. He was born in Thailand, Thai mum, Australian dad, came to Australia, met a um, beautiful lady who's now his wife, Ruth, and also was um, boarding with a, a Christian guy at university. And God used both of those people incredibly to change his life. And so when he shared his testimony, I had this real sense that this wasn't just political spin, but he at that moment realised, okay, this is actually bigger than maybe he'd originally thought. This was something that God had placed in his hands and it was, if you if you like, I would call it a kingdom assignment and I think he recognised that. And So that was the first hour and the second hour we unpacked the Seven Mountain Mandate and how that might look in the city. He asked me would I help him with that And then right at the very end of the meeting, he um, said to me, Sue, would you do something for me? And I said, okay, what is it? He said, would you pray and ask the Lord if I'm meant to be the next mayor of the city? And I looked right back at him and I said, well, I'll do that for you if you do something for me because I knew that's a good business deal. (laughs) And he said, okay, what is it? And I, I guess he wondered, what does this pastor want, you know? Well, what I said to him was, I want you to go away and pray with your wife and together ask the Lord, are you meant to be the next mayor of the city? Then let's get together and see what God has to say. So he agreed. We went our separate ways and then we caught up again just a few weeks later and he said, what did God say to you? And I said, God told me that it's yours, Tom. And he said, great, that's what he told us. Um, And then he won that um, election and the subsequent one and now we're coming up for number three, uh, March the 28th in 2020. So good. <clears throat> now you, you oh, sorry. So um, so 
I don't know whether you'd call yourself his pastor during that time because I know he didn't he didn't attend your church, mm-hmm. but I'm sure he came to you for counsel. Yes. What sort of stuff? You don't have to tell us the exact things, but just what kind of counsel do you give somebody like that who's got such a big kingdom assignment? Mm. Look, I think for Tom, one of the biggest challenges was that word righteous. When in the scripture it says, when the righteous rule, the city rejoice. And he really struggled with that concept of being righteous and his um, understanding of that needed some um, working through and some revelation in his heart, which has happened over the years. And he's now, um, you know, quite clear that he's righteous through the blood of Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross. And although he has failings and although he makes mistakes and, um, you know, as you say, that no one's perfect and he makes decisions that sometimes, you know, people ask, well, how can a Christian do that or make that decision? Um, well, my response is we're all on a faith journey and we're all human and learning as we go. And um, I don't agree with everything that he says, but I don't agree with everything I say either. So, <laughs> so you know, let's, let's be... Um, really, uh, I guess, gracious in this and we're, we're called to pray, pray for our leaders. And so, you know, a lot of the conversations in that time have been around his righteousness and then, of course, we had his desire to be water baptised, which happened at the Commonwealth Games um, about 18 months ago and that was a very public confession of his mm. faith. So we spent a lot of time around that. But apart from that, where's um, he would often call me about situations within council. Maybe there were tensions, um, disputes, you know, things that were happening behind the scenes and he would ask me to pray about that and to give him any insights that we would have. Occasionally there's been opportunity to um, follow through with, with people that he's met and he wants to know, is this guy for real or, you know, how far do we go with this kind of conversation? So I have a bit of an opportunity as a vetting filter, I guess, um, to help him with that. And so it, it takes various forms. But um, And, of course, the family situations too are, are often on his heart and we, you know, we pray and um, talk about how that might look when he's ministering to his family as a father who, um, you know, wants to represent his heavenly father well. Amazing. Um, you mentioned during that meeting when, he's, when you said, uh, if you do me one favour, a lot of people in that situation would think this is my only chance to ask this powerful person for a favour and obviously you're in his world a lot and there must be so many opportunities where you could try to, I suppose, take advantage of the situation you know, for your agenda or whatever. How do you manage and what's your advice to other people that happen to have opportunities to be in the presence of someone that could open up doors or, or you know, someone that, that is aspiring to something and, and has, I suppose, that connection with someone? What's your advice to them to not ruin that situation mm. because see, for me when I hear that story I, I'm like that's so much wisdom I've never thought about that before like that is that is just so so wise in making the right decision for such a long-term goal mm. for me Craig it's pretty simple and the only agenda that I, I 
carry in my heart is the king's agenda. So what is the king? What does King Jesus want? What is, what is the kingdom agenda? And trying to keep everything that might be personal out of that. And, and that's just how I approach things. So it's, it's never about me trying to leverage myself. I don't actually have anything to leverage. I'm, I'm a grandma. Um, I'm, I believe God has called me into this position to steward that relationship and to steward the outworking of that. So I, I don't really need anything. Um, but I think what you've highlighted is a, is a real trap that the enemy can set for people when they're in those kinds of situations. And it's there's sort of a double edge to it, Craig, because there are times when um, I've gone to Tom on behalf of the city and I've asked for something that's actually quite an audacious ask and it's been um, bigger than anything that I would consider asking but it's like the Lord directs, go and talk to Tom about this. And... As the person who has resource, he's been able to um, fulfil that request and it's always been to the, to the benefit of the city. It's always been about um, bringing the gospel and to the city. And so there's that place of recognising when you have a kingdom assignment and you're in the right place at the right time with the right people, God actually does set people up in your path who've already, he's gone ahead and he's provided the resource, he's provided the answer for you. And I think under those circumstances, we we must be bold enough to do the audacious ask and the, the provision will be there. So it's recognising when it's a kingdom ask that God's behind and the, and the differentiation then between what is something that's personal or selfish or self-motivated, um, that's where you don't go because that is the trap that you fall into. And so humility is really key in all of this. You know, when I go in to see Tom, there's an expectation that unless this is God, you know, nothing will happen and that's okay. And I have to be able to wear whatever comes out of those meetings. To stir up you, to stir up people's faith, what's a story of one of those really audacious things that you asked that you can share okay. that did Easter eventuate? Okay, United. Mm-hmm. Um, 2017, the very first one that we had, we were struggling to find a venue. This is the very first time that we were bringing, for about 20-something years, bringing the whole city together for a citywide worship. It was Easter Sunday, just three or four days prior to the opening of the Commonwealth Games. So a lot of venues were already taken. We were looking at um, bringing the churches of the city together. So we wanted, you know, an expectation of thousands of people to come. And so finally, when we ran out of options, we, um, we went to see the mayor and, and said, look, this is where we're at. We're really struggling to find a venue. And he said, why don't you try the new amphitheatre here at Hotter? We're about to um, release that as the, the, the opening of it will be happening at the Commonwealth Games. And we said, well, actually, we have done that, but it, the price is just way out of our reach. You know, we actually don't have any money. And he said, well, how much did they quote you? And we said, oh, it's around about 80, 85,000, um, you know, which is like any numbers ridiculous when you don't have anything, but yeah. <laughs> 85,000 is a big number. And he just said, oh, that's okay, we'll take care of that. And so if from that moment he took on, uh, on board the responsibility of, of getting that approved through council having the church come together and worship in that place as the first official opportunity to meet in that space of the auditorium, the amphitheatre. 
And um, apart from some amounts that we needed to find on top of that, that whole costing was taken care of. So the the flow on from that, Craig, has been um, this year it was already on the agenda, on the budget of council. It went through, the costing had increased, the numbers had increased. We went from 3,500 to about 6,000 this year. So we had a, a bigger venue, more money, more publicity, more profile. Um, and I believe council have actually approved the budget for next year and the following year without us even asking them. Wow. So it's now been established that each year Easter United is in the council calendar, it's budgeted for, it's covered, and it just took that audacious ask of faith knowing that God was on it. That's awesome. Um, and I attended this year, right? I missed the first two because we were traveling, but this year I got to go and there was a moment at Easter United where the pastors of the city all walked down together and I've got to say that was that was an, a massively inspiring moment right. because I got to see, you know, some some reverends dressed up in in their regalia representing you know uh, their group and then you know it was a real big cross section. Um, I, I don't know how many pastors there are on the Gold Coast, but it must have represented 50, 60, 70 percent of the the yeah. churches there and and. And that is no small thing in terms right. of changing culture to right. bring those together, you know, because it was everybody laid their agenda down. There was no flag waving at this event. It was just Jesus. And, yes. and that, was a, that was a really beautiful thing. I want to pick up on, um, so if you told Tom that the, the scripture, that when righteous rules, the people are happy, what are some examples now? Uh, I want to go to tactics because I want people to be able to draw the line between it's a good thing to have a Christian mayor, but what does it actually mean in a city? What are some things that you could say that fulfill that scripture? Now that he's in there and his faith has grown, that's no doubt to me that his faith has grown in that time. Where has there been the city rejoicing mm. uh, in his time in council? Yeah, look, the when you look across the city, there's so much that's changed in the last eight years. And the Gold Coast is one of those places that the only consistent thing is change. <laughs> You're constantly seeing cranes on the skyline and, you know, roadworks. And we, we might sort of put our head in our hands and go, ah, you know, this is a nuisance again. But, but literally the city is flourishing. There's new works happening. You know, infrastructure is being approved all the time. You know, the M1 extension's just been approved, the light rail down to Burley. Um, there's just so many of those examples. And then when you look at the um, unemployment of the Gold Coast, it's actually sitting lower than the national average. Is that right? And I think lowest in the, the whole of Queensland. And that's really one of the things that's very much on the heart of our mayor. He's a family man. He has four adult children and one grandchild. Um, his mother-in-law lives with them and has done for a long time. So there's, there's three, often three or four generations in their household. So he's very much um, embracing a family and family life. And so for him, anything that can bring families to the Gold Coast to actually live here, flourish here, um, be educated here, have lifestyle options that are healthy and um, productive, to have education that, that is not just primary but takes them through university, and then to be able to stay here to have employment that um, they can find rather than having to leave their family, leave their friendship groups, leave their roots 
and go into state or to you know somewhere else and be separated from or family. To Brisbane every day. That's it. So very much focused on what can we bring to the city that actually encourages family life and makes it a place that um, families want to to be, and that I, I see that changing um, constantly. I see emphasis coming away from what you know we've called it sin city we haven't called it but it's been called sin city for such a long time the gold coast has been seen as party central you know the um coming up here just nightclubs and you know whatever else people want young people or others want to get into but the um the intent of the heart and of the mayor and, and also of the church of the gold coast is to shift that mindset and shift that perception so this is actually a great place for families and families can come, enjoy the beaches, the lifestyle, the climate, the, the theme parks, but they're not confronted with, you know, the, the Sin City stuff um, that maybe we would have been 20 years ago. I believe it is, Craig. Yeah, I think that... And people need jobs, trends. right? Uh, Absolutely. Like you, you can pontificate all you like, but yes. you can't hold a city together if it's not growing. That's right. Because no jobs. Yeah. So, so, so you're saying he's been able to, you know, do infrastructure... Yes. Um, and, ..and jobs and unemployment... Is there something else that you would say that he's been able to materially change in the city? Yeah, I think there's um, through the universities there's been a great growth in the area of um, health and medicine. That's we're actually quite um, uh, leading the way in in many many cases, and also in the IT smart city arena. There's some really great signs in that as well, and um, he's really wanting to champion those kinds of things and. Um, yeah, there's some interesting things afoot for next year, which, you know, when... Um, Come on, spill the beans. Uh, <laughs> you heard it first here, folks. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a trip to Israel planned um, in June next year mm. and the mayoral envoy of which we will be a part. We're attending the Jerusalem Prayer Breakfast. Amazing. Which is going to be a wonderful opportunity. The mayor's been invited, we've been invited. And as an extension of that, just recently we met with the um, ambassador, Israeli ambassador, he came up to the Gold Coast, met with Tom and us in his office and there's some very strong connections being formed with uh, industries and opportunities in Israel that we're going to be pursuing in June next year. Love it. And before we move on from Tom, he's got a great sense of humour at the same time. Fantastic. Um, I've only met him a handful of times but uh, the, the last time I met him he was asking about my kids because he's a family man and I told him that I had three girls and he looked me square in the eye and said, mate, you've got to eat more meat. <laughs> you got to get some boys, and he has drawn the distinction that the oh, way you have boys funny. is you eat more meat, which I thought was wonderful. For is that man. is that why every meal we go out to, you're like, I need a steak? Well, no, <laughs> I'm trying not to have any more children, but yes. Um, but I just thought, you know, like because he was, it was a really interesting environment. He was, it was, a, I was speaking, he was speaking. He like all the security detail were like, you know, right. he's arrived and they usher in and it's all regalia. And then he ends up just cracking the stupid joke. Like, <laughs> I don't think he takes himself half as seriously no, as everybody else doesn't. does, which I think is amazing. So I want to then make this whole conversation relevant to everybody else that listens. What role then can kingdom business play in either getting in a mayor or if there, if, if there is a mayor with a faith, helping them become fruitful and productive? So coming back to the other side of the table here, our listeners, what can we be actively doing to play our part in seeing a city transformation like that? So we really need you to vote, number one, on March the 28th. We need to have Tom 
um, back in for another term and we really feel that the next four years are going to be the accelerator push down. You know, there's been a lot of foundational stuff in the last eight years, but we've got another four-year window now that we believe that God's just going to really highlight a lot of the stuff that we've been seeding for that time. Um, so as far as kingdom business people, I mean, gosh, there's there's so many of us, you know, of you <laughs> out there that are learning how important it is to not only pray, pray for our mayor, but to be supportive of him in the endeavours that he's doing. Um, I think, you know, the, the doors that he is opening, and we've shared some of those, um, may be great pathways for people to follow as they um, go, you know, forward. But I, I guess the thing that constantly comes back to me is looking for ways that kingdom business can establish things in the city that are so unique and so beautiful because they're different in their character, they're, they've you know, they follow the kingdom ways rather than the other ways that we can see a flourishing of those businesses to lead the way and, and the ways that have been polluted in the past, you know, to see those things cleaned up. And, um, and then, of course, brilliant opportunities for business people to partner um, with churches. We're doing a, a great citywide initiative, Churches Involved in Domestic Violence, Domestic and Family Violence is an initiative that's um, coming through from um, earlier this year. And we had a, the Mayor's Christian Prayer Breakfast, 140 people. We deliberately included business people in the, the invitations because we want business people to catch the heart of what the Mayor wants for the city to completely break open this culture of domestic and family violence. Um, business people can train their staff to actually recognise where there's, um, you know, domestic or family violence happening within their staff, within their company, within their clientele even. Um, there's programs that we're now bringing through under the mayor's leadership in, in um, cooperation with the churches that business people can actually get a hold of and, and change the culture of their business. Mm. And that would be, you know, a great thing when we see the, the political and the business and the church partnering together towards something like that. Um, and then, you know, of course, everything needs finance, everything needs resource, and sometimes it's as simple as a room to meet um, for people to gather and, and, you know, pray through things or network or whatever that might be. Other times it's, it's you know, writing, um, you know, writing something off to, to help bring a program forward. It might be the provision of a safety house for women that are in, you know, desperate need of refuge. There's lots of lots of pathways. So the domestic and family violence one is the one that we really felt was the primary one as the church of the city we wanted to act on now. But I believe the modelling that we're doing with that, with, with business, the, the church, the government, education and the family sector can be translated later on into other areas such as homelessness and, you know, the list goes on. So somebody that's listening right now who's in Bendigo or Cairns or Ulladulla or Catherine sitting there going, well, I'm a kingdom business person. What are some steps they could initiate? Like, like should they go and book a meeting with the mayor, whether their mayor's a believer or not, and say, you know, what yeah. can we do to get behind you? Or what do you stand for at least? Um, you know, finance is obviously one key area. Um, there's obviously being available to uh, help out on a campaign. There's help. 
you know, getting your team to help out a campaign. Uh, there is um, being a problem solver for the mayor. What are some practical things, no matter where people are in Australia, that they could go and do to mm. start this journey mm. that we've highlighted here as a Gold Coast example? Yeah, that, and you've listed some great things there, Wes, and I think it does actually start with the recognition that we actually need all of these things working together. So we're not in isolation. A kingdom business person should never be isolated from a kingdom educator or, you know, a kingdom media person or um, a kingdom mayor. Whether they're Christian or not, it's a great opportunity to go and meet with the mayor of the city, explain who you are, tell them a little bit about your vision for your business and how you see that investing into the city in ways that are not just financial but also, you know, in, um, in, in building that cultural shift that we're looking for. I think that would be a, a brilliant start. Um, I, I really feel kingdom business people need to connect with other kingdom business people. So start deliberately seeking out like-minded people and coming together. And one of the – a great step would be to um, have people around you who are – supporting you as a kingdom business person, praying for you, encouraging you, interceding when you're doing business, when you're going into these meetings, um, being your support team and your surround team and building that in as a safety and accountability support net and then just linking arms with others that are in like-minded. Um, what you're doing with the, with the, the, the chapters that you're building into the cities, I think that's just a fantastic strategy. Look, there's, there's so much that business can bring to a city that, um, you know, unless you actually present that as, you know, this is what I have, this is what I want to bring, um, it's not known that it's there. So I think just make that bold step, make an appointment. Um, yeah. it, you've got nothing to lose. And that's not just like, I mean, obviously it's ideal if if the if the city leader is a, mayor, is, is a Christian, but like that's still our heart to not throw throw the them under the bus if they're not Christian, is right. it? Right. No, that's right. Well, I mean, take Tom. His yes. faith has grown. Yes. It, it didn't uh, – from my perspective, it didn't fall on him until after he got office, mm. the gravity of the situation. Yeah. So if somebody's, you know, not particularly strong in their faith, we can't be writing them off, right? Mm. Um, now, if their policies are the absolute antithesis of the faith, then you'd probably go and find somebody else who's a candidate and go and back them. Um, but – but you're right. Like, I mean, I mean, and just if, if you're unsure what Sue mentioned by the network, um, go and check out kingdombusiness.com.au forward slash network. We've got 27 chapters in Australia. And my heart for that was that the business people would link arms. Because if we just become profitable silos, we get nothing done. Mm. So we've got to, the, the business people have to link arms with the pastors of the city, the intercessors of the city, the, the stakeholders in the city and, and, and things like that to do good work. Otherwise, we won't go anywhere. Um, so, you know, that's, that's definitely a, a really practical thing to move forward. All right. We have a couple of, uh, questions that we ask everybody and, um, I don't know how prepared you are for these. What's your favorite scripture? Oh, look, I, Revelation has a scripture that talks about kingdom and it's this one. It, it says, um, and the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever. So that, that's kind of my heartbeat. Um, bringing God's kingdom so that the kingdoms of the world will actually become under the, the rulership of Jesus and, and his reign forever. So it's, it's all about kingdom for me. Yeah. Um, my very first 
um, life scripture, if you like, was seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. So that, that was kind of my initial kingdom scripture. But as I've gone on the journey, I've now sort of taken this other one on board. Favourite Bible character? Oh, I have way too many. Um, What's your favourite today? Today? <laughs> oh, what day is it today? <laughs> <laughs> uh, reading about Daniel actually at mm. the moment and loving his integrity and the way that he spoke to his king and basically said, look, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, the king was offering him all sorts of things to interpret the dream and Daniel just said, this is not about me. I couldn't do this unless it was God and, you know, it, it, whether I live or die, it was just, it's just brilliant. I love his integrity and um, the story of that is, is really inspiring. Favourite fast food? I don't eat fast food. I haven't eaten, well, let me, can I say McDonald's? I haven't eaten McDonald's for 25 years. Wow. Um, don't eat fast food. What's your quick snack then? I didn't say have you eaten it. I said what would be <laughs> I mean, hypothetically, if you were to eat Okay, pizza. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And when was it how many years since you ate ate pizza? Ate a pizza yeah. that I haven't made myself? Yeah. Oh look, that's just a few weeks ago. Okay. <laughs> oh, see we get to it. Yeah. Investigative <laughs> skills. When you there, scratch Wes. a little deeper. <laughs> the truth will set you free, sir. Right, right. Thanks, and then thanks, the final Wes. question, the one that's more important than anything we've discussed today. When the state of origin comes on, are you Queensland <laughs> or New South Wales? Oh goodness me. I know I'm south of the border, but I'm definitely a Queenslander. All right. Go Queenslander. Definitely. Well, I'm a Queenslander too when it comes to origin. <laughs> yeah. Even when we lived in Adelaide. Oh, well, we were Queens. I you would are, I would are. come home from work and watch the state of origin and and go for Queensland. That makes sense because Adelaide they're a smart state. Absolutely. <laughs> um, any final words for the Kingdom Business community from you? Yeah. Look, I, I'm just uh, excited about what's happening with that. I think it's a really integral part of what God is wanting to do in cities and and in regions. You know, God's heart is for cities. He taught the Bible is full of uh, illustrations of His heart for cities. And in business, business people are all over the city. And so to recognise that you're positioned there for a reason, um, salt, light, yeast, whichever, you know, picture you want to bring through, um, God has you there for a purpose and it's to advance his kingdom. So keep that at number one. And, um, yeah, just God bless you all in what you're doing. I, I'm excited and encouraged to be a part of, of this great movement. Awesome. Well, uh, we really appreciate you, Sue. Really appreciate you giving up the time to come all this way to cross the border. Um, I think uh, you've said some really nice practical things for our community to kind of go, okay, I've got a bigger role to play here than just make some money. Yes. Um, you know, if, if we've reduced Kingdom Business down to writing a check, then we're basically saying that 80% of Kingdom Business people don't have any influence yet, which is madness. So, um, so thank you for that. Thank you for investing into the Kingdom Business people that, that listen to the podcast. And uh, we wish you the very best, and we pray that Tom gets in, yes. and that you can catapult on the the you know the eight years of hard work, and and really get some city rejoicing in the next term. Yeah, thanks, bless, guys. Bless your heaps.